Jordan Peterson's interview with Philip Dodd. Let's dig in. Mr. Reagan. All right, so I listened to this interview between Jordan Peterson and Philip Dodd, and I wanted to examine it because I feel like there's something going on here ever since the Kathy Newman interview. I think that the British left is on a kind of mission to try to destroy Jordan Peterson, or at least to neutralize him. They realized that he just utterly took their whole platform to task, which is essentially strawmanning right-wing ideas, and now they have to send their heavy hitters out to get him. So he goes and he, he, he does this interview with this guy, Philip Dodd. He's a, like a stalwart of the, of the left. I mean, he's a strong, strong leftist. And he's very well-spoken, and he seems to be well-versed enough in rhetoric that he felt that he could go up against um, Jordan Peterson. I did not like the way he conducted himself in the debate. Um, he used a lot of rhetorical tricks, and I'll, I'll, I'll see if we can't uh, show you some examples of that here. He is the most influential public intellectual in the West right now. He is a fascist mystic. Just two verdicts on this controversial figure. I'm already irritated by the introduction of Jordan Peterson. He's a fascist mystic? Right, so he doesn't say... Some people believe that Jordan Peterson is the most influential whatever of our time. Some people think that he is a fascist mystic. Uh, these are two opposing views, blah, blah, blah. He doesn't say that. He just says these two things as if he's listing off things that Jordan Peterson is. And these things aren't mutually exclusive. You can be a very influential fascist. So it's almost as if he is using the influential part to compound the fascist part. And then he says, almost as an afterthought, these are two different views that people have about him. Just two verdicts on this controversial figure. I think that's a very sly rhetorical trick to put the seed of influence in the mind of the audience that this guy's a fascist. So you're clearly a North American Protestant. Yes, I, I think that's very fair to say. Um, that's my background. My my family was a member of the, my mother in particular, was a member of the mainstream Protestant church in Canada, which happened to be the United Church. Although I was disenchanted with religious thinking by the time I was about 12 or 13, I became very much interested in the role that narrative plays in orienting people in life and delve deep into it when I was studying totalitarianism, and which I did in depth while well, I have been doing that for 40 years, really. And that led me down to the deepest of stories. And by definition, the deepest of stories are religious. I mean, it's the fact that they're deep that makes them religious or vice versa. And so I strive to understand what those stories mean. OK, that makes it sound very scholarly. Mm -hmm. It's not with you. It's inside you. It's not some... The, you are religious, aren't you? Well, I, it would depend to some degree. Uh, on no, how no, you don't get that. epistemological yeah. on me. Okay, what I'm asking you is, you're a believer now. You're, the reason I'm interested in this is your commitment to individual responsibility mm -hmm. has a religious history to it. He he says he's interested in. Uh, I don't remember why he says. You're, the reason I'm interested in this is your commitment to individual responsibility mm -hmm. has a religious history to it. Okay, he, say, he says that the reason he's interested in this is because his focus on individuality has a religious history or something like this. That's not why he's interested. Okay, the reason he's interested is because in Britain, atheism tends to be paramount. 
you don't find too many overtly religious people, or at least outwardly religious people. Religion in general, and Christianity in particular, are openly ridiculed in Britain. So that's the reason he's interested in trying to get Jordan Peterson to acknowledge that he comes from a place of religious thinking. It is a kind of a way of discrediting him. This is an utterly underhanded attempt to discredit Jordan Peterson. It's, it's a very sinister kind of attack. It actually preys upon the British populace's biases. He is actually attempting to use a kind of bigotry for his own aims. Above all other things that he says in this interview, this is the thing that makes me detest this man the most. And I would say that the battle that I found myself involved in wasn't a political battle or even a psychological battle. As far as I'm concerned, it's actually a theological battle. So because I see what's happening in the universities as the pushback of a fundamentally collectivist viewpoint against the cardinal Western stance that the individual is sovereign. And well, I hold on there. That's where we begin. America has the deepest belief in the individual, but that doesn't exhaust the West. There are lots more communal versions of life. In fact, one of the things I would have said, and I'm not a Christian now, one of the things I would have said about Christianity is it believes in the communal and in the collective. That's well, why people go to church. Well, I would say it believes in the proper relationship between the individual and the collective, not that it believes in the collective. The way that you want to orient yourself in life is to set yourself up so that you're taking care of yourself properly, but so that you're doing it in a manner that benefits your family and your community and that all of those levels of organization have to be serving one another and okay. that they can. Now, I understand that, and that's a perfectly reasonable position, but it mustn't be conflated with the Western view is the individual's primary, because that's historically not the case. Well, I don't agree with that. I think that the emphasis on the idea of the logos in the West and, and the, the fact that, that individuals are regarded in some sense as the carriers of that does make the individual primary from a conceptual perspective because one of the questions but is Catholicism doesn't even believe in that <clears throat> Catholicism you know one of the founding forms of Christianity in the West that doesn't believe in this wonderful American Protestant view of yours well wh why would you say that 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 belief isn't held because of the emphasis on the importance of the church because the church because you can only survive you can only go to heaven through the church it's communal it's collective let me give you an example you and I are both old enough to have watched Spartacus the mm -hmm. Stanley Kubrick novel. Mm -hmm. there's a, a Stanley Kubrick film there's a great moment in there when Kirk Douglas stands up and says I am Spartacus and everybody else around him stands up and says I am Spartacus. That is the act of a collective communal sense. It's not an individual responsibility. It's, to use an old European term, it's solidarity. This is such a ridiculous point that Jordan Peterson doesn't even know how to respond to it. He just says, okay, well, I'm going to stand by my claim. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to stand by my claim. It's a difficult thing to respond to unless you want to be incredibly rude and say, what you're saying doesn't make any sense right now. I think Jordan Peterson tries to employ some sense of decorum so he doesn't say things like that. I would. I would say that. What you said has is completely irrelevant. So this guy, Phil, Philip Dodd, he's attempting to say that because much of Western civilization is founded on Roman Catholicism, we place no emphasis on the individual. We place emphasis on the collective because church is a kind of a collective thing to do. Um, 
But everything Christ talks about is your individual morality. Everything Christ talks about. The church exists as a facilitator of individual growth. The community of the church facilitates individual morality. It doesn't promote a collective morality. You can be a Christian and be an individualist. You can step out of society and still remain a Christian. That's true in Protestantism, but that's true in Catholicism as well. The greater sin that this guy commits, other than just being wrong about Catholicism, is he somehow tries to illustrate this idea of collective thinking by describing a scene in a film in which people stand in solidarity with somebody that they like. It's a weird thing to have done. I mean, using that film to illustrate his point about Catholicism is weird. It's just confusing. And so that's why I think Jordan Peterson didn't really have a response to that. But I do think he should have said, that's completely irrelevant. Why would you bring up a movie? One scene in one movie once is supposed to therefore illustrate all of society. I mean, Jordan Peterson could have pointed to High Noon. High Noon is a great example of the individualist situation where the sheriff goes into the church and he, and he begs everybody to help him because there are these scoundrels coming and they're going to try to kill him. And he said, look, I can't fight them all on my own. I need, I need some people to volunteer to help me. And literally everybody in the church turns his back on him. So he has to fight everybody on his own, and he does, and he takes them all out. It's a great movie, and you should see it. The favorite film of, I think, like three or four presidents. Gary Cooper, High Noon, watch it. You've got scenes in films that illustrate, you know, the power of the collective. You have scenes in films that illustrate the power of the individual. What are you talking about? Let's just imagine you'd have had the opportunity to talk to Martin Luther King. Mm -hmm. And you'd have said, don't go on those civil rights marches until you sort out your personal ethics. You wouldn't have gone down that route, would you? You can't wait to set your own house in perfect order because we're dead before that happens. And second, civil rights wouldn't have happened on your principle. All right, first of all, this guy doesn't think Martin Luther King had his house in order. Come on. He had his faults, of course. If I look at my room and I say, my room's clean, my bed looks nice, I make enough money that I can make my girlfriend comfortable, I, I look at myself in the mirror and I think, you know, you're a pretty decent person, then you can look at people who are not self-sufficient, who are not independent. You can look at problems with the world. You can look at things that are messier than your own life. You can try to figure out ways to solve those problems. Furthermore, he's talking about the civil rights movement. I do think that Martin Luther King knew what he was doing. I think that he realized that what was happening in society was unjust. And if he could illustrate that by drawing out these violent people, that he could gain sympathy for his cause. We're going to draw out the racists, we're going to draw out the violent police, and we're going to show the world what exactly the injustices are that we're dealing with, and they're going to have sympathy for us. And that worked. That was a brilliant plan. Today, it seems that they protest everything. The improper use of pronouns, the wall being built, the woman's march. What, what is that? People stop caring. So now we have a tactic used mostly by the left that is utterly ineffective. And now these protests are violent themselves. So instead of drawing attention to how awful the other side is, they're drawing attention to how awful their side is. I think what Jordan Peterson's saying is actively think about what you're doing before you do it. Come on, 18-year-olds do know things. You've got children, I've got children. Both of them are older than 18 now. I wouldn't have liked to sit opposite my 18-year-old and tell them they didn't know anything. Well, they know enough to put certain things immediately in front of them in order and to attend to their education, but they don't know enough to risk experimenting with large-scale transformations of economic systems that they don't understand in the least. Okay. No, not that... It, not that that's the case for many people. And the other problem with the activist ethos, which is partly what I was objecting to, is that it's very easy for your bitterness to manifest itself as 
the hypothetically altruistic desire for social change. And I think that happens far more often than people are willing to admit. And so partly you have to wonder if if you're attempting to change the world, if you're attempting to change the world because you don't want to do the changes that are necessary for yourself. You and do increasingly sound to me like a good radical Protestant, but I want to give you another example. I really hate that. I mean, he really should have called this guy out on, on that, and I certainly would have. It's just such a dismissive thing to say. Listen, clearly what you're saying here is just the dogma of your faith. There's nothing intelligent about this. This is all just religion. Well, you're sounding more and more to me like a religious nut. <laughs> what an asshole. Well, I don't want to make the case, or to be seen to making the case, that action at some level other than the psychological is never warranted, because obviously that's not the case. But I would say that we have quite self-evidently swung way too far in the opposite direction. Who's we? Who's we? The universities, the social sciences, the humanities, the humanities in particular, women's studies, cultural studies, so these this groups is, that this... do nothing but produce activists. Uh, forgive me, I was a professor of literature, so that's simple historical and uh, factual nonsense. That's simple historical and factual nonsense, is it? Come on. I mean, Jordan Peterson asks him how long ago he was a professor, and he says, well, not that long ago. It was either quite a long time ago, or I don't know what he's talking about. In Britain, the students are insane. Just because this guy isn't aware of what's happening, that doesn't mean it's nonsense. If, even if this is hyperbole, that's still just to dismiss it as, as a problem. Like, well, it's not a problem because it's not as big of a problem as you just said. We can't take it seriously as a problem at all. I mean, it's an irresponsible way to conduct an interview. It's in incredibly disrespectful. I mean, everything about this interview is disrespectful. The way that, that young people now are taught about the relationships between men and women throughout history is that the fundamental narrative is that men oppressed women throughout the course of history. And then that kind of came to an end when everybody woke up in 1964. No, no, no. Yeah, no, really, no, that's no, really it. No, listen, I don't know what it's like in Canadian universities, but that is not how universities as a whole operate. Well, that's and, how they operate in Canada. We well, had the biggest scandal in Canadian university history last year when a graduate student was hauled in front of a Maoist Inquisition for daring to show a five-minute video of me discussing issues like this on public television. The universities are in far worse shape. Maybe they're not in such bad shape in the UK as they are in in North America, but they're in plenty bad shape in North America. Forgive me, but that is not the biggest scandal. The biggest scandal will be the number, for instance, of suicides. You're inflating it's things. It's not the biggest tragedy. The, but the suicides the are a bigger tragedy, but it was certainly the biggest scandal. Canadian universities don't make international news, and that was international news for about three months. And the university apologized and set up a free speech commission. It was plenty scandalous, and it was diagnostic as well. It wasn't an aberration. It was precisely what's going on in the Canadian universities. Okay. So we're back to a situation where what you're proposing is simply restricted to the universities. And not no, only restricted... spreading into wider society at a very rapid rate. In fact, the Natural, National Science Foundation in the United States is now thinking about imposing gender and ethnicity quotas on the STEM fields in the U.S., which is an absolute catastrophe. I think you're radically underestimating the danger that these collectivist disciplines 
present to our culture. I really believe that. No, and I know you do. And what I'm, what I'm arguing is that's inflating small parochial, and I use the word parochial descriptively, not abusively. Mm -hmm. It's inflating small parochial arguments, whereas there are bigger arguments, and those bigger arguments are collective, not because I think they're collective or because I believe in them, but whether it's the Hillsborough people nailing the police or whether it's Martin Luther King on civil rights, those are major, major issues mm -hmm. of social justice. Mm -hmm. The arguments that are going on within the university pale, don't they, in relationship to those catastrophes. This is a sort of a last resort rhetorical technique. I, I think this guy's been pushed into a corner in a, in a way. He doesn't seem to have good arguments for any of the things that Jordan Peterson is saying. And so now he's resorted to saying, the things that you're, that you're talking about, the things that you're fighting for are parochial. They're not of, of great enough concern for you to even be dealing with them. So why are we even talking about this? Why did you write a book about stupid stuff? Well, sure. I mean, there are there are truly terrible things going on all over the world. But does, should at any not moment, one, yeah, but shouldn't one address those rather than addressing the social warrior people who strike me as small-scale parochial ba battles within a small-scale parochial world? Well, I guess it depends on how you push things out forward into the future. With regards to what's happening in the universities, I think they are corrupting the rest of society with talk of such things as implicit bias, which is an absolute pseudoscientific scandal. All right, and you've gone back and you've got angry because I can see this makes mm. you... Now that that no, really no. does, but, does what, irritate but, me because I know the IAT literature. Okay, but it does mean that you've sidestepped the larger inequalities that exist amongst the poor and the rich. Between. I haven't sidestepped it. I, I just, just don't know what you, to do about it. I will not. Well, then, you're a, as the English say in understatement, you're not a stupid man, so put your attention on those things. I have. I talk about inequality all the time well, in my public not, talks. Okay. You're a smart guy. You should be trying to cure cancer. You should be doing something more important with your life than dealing with these little insignificant issues. And so he's taken these issues, which throughout the entire interview, he's basically accepted that they're important issues that we need to discuss and, and deal with. And then once he's sort of recognized that Jordan Peterson has, is, has beaten him on facts and logic, he then goes to say, well, these aren't really important issues anyway. They're parochial. They're not, they're, they're insignificant. Look at all these other bigger problems. Shouldn't you be focused on those? Shouldn't, you're a smart guy, solve the bigger problems. Jordan Peterson isn't the only intelligent person in the world. Look, this is, this is how academia works. This is how capitalism works. This is how the world works. If you're a smart person, if you are somebody who wants to help make the world a better place, you've got to find fields in which you think that you can make a difference. Jordan Peterson felt that psychology was the area in which he could help the world best. So that's the field he went into. He then has prescriptions for how society should act. This is his area of expertise. This is what he's chosen to do with his life. So for this guy then to say, well, what you've chosen to do with your life is stupid, and there's other bigger problems in the world, and you should just tackle those. It's sort of like having an argument with somebody when you're a kid. Well, this is a stupid argument anyway. Be an adult. Just, I mean, the bigger problem here is that these are huge issues. The whole social justice warrior movement goes to an entire cultural movement. These things have huge implications. They have implications of public policy, how we treat each other, how we move forward in the world, in the Western world, developing nations. I mean, it's incredibly important stuff here. And for him to just dismiss it as parochial because he's losing the argument, to me, that's it's incredibly disrespectful 
And I think it's disingenuous as well. I think he knows these are important issues. It's just, it's just something that he's saying out of desperation, and he should not be saying that. Let's give you another example. Uh, it looks as if when women enter professions, actually they diminish the, the money they get, as it were, is reduced. In other words, women-centred professions mm -hmm. are often paid less well than mm -hmm. male-centred professions. In courts of law, at least in Britain, in courts of law, uh, black people get incarcerated for longer for the same kind of offence. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Yes, that happens in the United States as well. So there are problems of power and of disparity. Of course there are, and hierarchies tend towards tyranny, and you have to have your eyes open against that all the time. The fact that he doesn't challenge him on this really irritates me. And maybe he doesn't want to go down that rabbit hole, which, okay, fine. And the idea that female-centered professions get paid less than male-centered professions, what does that even mean? Okay, so the, the, the kinds of jobs women are attracted to are less valuable to society, maybe. You know, it's a market system. It's not as if we're going around saying, okay, is this something that women like to do? Well, let's pay them less for that. You think I want my girlfriend to get paid less than some guy? Do you think I want my mom to get paid less than some guy or my sister? No. Look, if a girl wants to go into a high-paying profession, she can go into that. There are reasons why people don't go into high-paying professions. They're difficult. They're stressful. They might be dangerous. If men are attracted to danger, if men are attracted to stressful situations and a lot of responsibility, they might be more attracted to higher paying professions, correlation does not necessitate causation. Clearly this guy missed that lecture from science that we've been hearing for the last 10 years. I wish Jordan Peterson would call him out on that. These indices are not indicative of racism, of sexism. You, you can draw those conclusions if you want, but they're not realistic. This guy clearly lives in his leftist fantasy land where white people are definitely racist and white people are definitely sexist and any kind of statistic or data that he can get to support that idea, he's going to accept without question. And we need people to educate guys like him. And George Peterson should not have let that slide, but you know, he wanted to explain it in the way that he wanted to explain it. And he's right. Hierarchies do sometimes become unjust. And, you know, his answer is actually fine. I mean, I, I like how Jordan Peterson answers most of the questions here. Um, I respect how he conducted himself. And despite the fact that he didn't call him on this, I do think Jordan Peterson pretty much shut him down on every point. So I... You say the order is ma masculine and chaos is feminine, which means the masculine shapes the feminine. That's what you say in the it book. It also means that the feminine takes down the masculine. There's no, there's no, no forget, disproportionate no. in power. Disproportion in power. Yes, there is, because if, be the no, if the primary is order shaping order out of chaos, then the masculine is primary. No, the chaos is there too. And in the mythological representation, there's three elements. There's the chaos, there's the order, and there's the factor that mediates between the two, and they're all equally primary. They're equally primary. It's not a... in the biblical story, which you quote over and over again. God creates order out of chaos. Well, but the chaos is there. No, of course the chaos is there, but it needs to be ordered, which means the feminine needs to it be needs ordered. It needs to be ordered before well. there's something that habitable that can emerge, and that is the case. And you think that's the case in gender terms too? Well, symbolically speaking. Now, forget symbolically speaking. Is it... You can't forget it because no, I no, used you... masculine and feminine symbolically. No. I made the case that the reason we use those categories is because those are our primary social cognitive categories. And we've used them to explain the rest of the world. No, no, no. It's moments like these when conservatives need to just stop the conversation and ask the interviewer, do you think that I'm a sexist? Because what he's doing here is absurd. He's really nitpicking very specific things within Jordan Peterson's book. 
which he's trying to interpret as Jordan Peterson is a sexist. Jordan Peterson needs to say, okay, okay, stop, 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 stop. Everything you're saying seems to indicate that you think that my writing here is somehow sexist, that I'm trying to portray the masculine as superior and the feminine as inferior in relation to men and women. Men are superior, women are inferior. So in reading my, my book, do you think I'm a sexist? That's what Jordan Peterson needs to say, flat out. Do you think I'm a sexist? And then the guy can, you know, probably blah, 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 well, I don't know, blah, 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 blah. But he'll say, look, I'm not a sexist. I don't think women are inferior to men. I love my wife. I, I love my mother. I love my daughter. And then when the guy says, no, forget about symbolism. Forget about symbolism. Now, forget symbolically speaking. What he's trying to say there is, I want you to sit here and tell me that you think that the that men are superior and women are inferior. So I think I think uh, Jordan Peterson should just call him out on that. Yeah, you know, say, what what are you trying to say? You're trying to suggest that I'm I'm inferring something that I'm not. So let's just get down to brass tacks. What is your actual accusation here? And the same thing with racism. You've got to call these people out when they start to make these little suggestions, try to weasel that, oh, this is really what you meant here. This is really what you meant. No, it isn't what I meant. Okay, I'm not a racist. I'm not a sexist. Stop trying to infer it through the misreading of certain sentences in my book. There are many other ways of explaining the world. There are many other ways of explaining the relationship between order and case that don't rely on gender. I spend a lot of time in China and there's a lot of different cultural ways of doing it. This is a there's particular... A deep, there's a very deep emphasis on exactly the same thing in Taoism and yeah. the same division between yeah, but masculine not in, and But feminine. not in Buddhism and not in all kinds of religions. In Buddhism as well. In Buddhism as well you see the same thing in the story of the Buddha where he, where he's or where he's raised in the orderly city surrounded by chaos. It has a feminine tilt from no. a symbolic perspective. Okay. Well, well listen... Let's not go there because we'll get lost in that. Let's not go there because we'll get lost in that. This guy goes from dead end to dead end to dead end. He's constantly looking at Jordan Peterson's writing, trying to mischaracterize it. Jordan Peterson doesn't let him get away with it. So then the guy takes another tack. Oh, but you know, you, you could have done this or you could have done that or there's this symbolism doesn't make sense. But there's nowhere he can go that Jordan Peterson doesn't seem to know how to defend himself. I love that Jordan Peterson knows about Buddhism and Taoism and is able to make all these uh, parallels between those religions and, and Christianity or Western civilization or philosophy or whatever. I love that. I love that this guy can't go anywhere. <laughs> I feel like soon I'm going to get bored watching Jordan Peterson do interviews and just like tear the stuffing out of these people, but I'm liking it still so far. So <laughs> I know Marx is not your favorite. That's a pretty mild. No, no, it is. But in the 19th mm. century, he did say all that is solid melts into thin air. And that's what capital is doing. It's unraveling most of the things that you believe in. Now this guy's attacking capitalism? I don't think this guy even actually knows what he's talking about. Okay, so the guy hates capitalism, and he's quoting Marx, and he worked for a socialist magazine. Hmm, I suspect he might be a communist. This is a debate that's disguised as an interview. That's what this is. And he lost the debate before he ever started. And the reason is because he's taking a position of a communist against a capitalist. How can you win that? You can't win that. I almost feel sorry for him, just, just like I feel sorry for all of the leftists who believe in delusional ideas. What led you to be worried about manliness? Well, it isn't really that I'm concerned with men. I'm concerned with what's symbolically masculine. And, and, and that actually is different. I think that because we have this proclivity to view our current social structure through the lens of patriarchal tyranny. We confuse attempts by people to take their proper place in that hierarchy with the manifestation of 
power and tyranny, and that that's tremendously demoralizing, especially to young men. Why is it debilitating to men? Well, because if you tell men who are trying to do their best in the world that all they're doing is manifesting the kind of behavior that led to a tyrannical patriarchy, you're not exactly encouraging them to do their best in the world. Have we got any evidence that large swathes of men across America, Canada, or here for that matter, are themselves subject to those kinds of disquisitions? Well, we have the evidence that they increasingly underperform women at every level of educational attainment. So that's not trivial. No, no, but we can't draw from that a conclusion that the real reason they're not performing as well as they were performing is for this reason, because the reasons are always multifactorial to the True. usual True. language. So it isn't, there's no cause and effect between... Well, there's a hypothetical cause and effect, but it's not proven, to your point. And if it's not proven, forgive me for using an English phrase, why bang on about it so much? So what he's saying here is, you have a theory about why men have problems. But this guy says, well, if you can't prove it empirically, if you have no measurements to, to indicate to us that your hypothesis about the world is, is correct, then why even believe that? Why even try to better people's lives if you can't prove why they have problems in the first place? Okay, so... If we can't prove exactly why most people's lives have problems, we should never try to do anything to improve them. The guy's just... Okay. Because I, it actually matters to me that there's hordes of men and women as well, but we're, we're talking about men who aren't doing well in the world. I'm a clinical psychologist. I mean, my goal is to help as many individuals as possible set their lives in order and live meaningful and productive lives so that they can tolerate the fact that life is suffering without becoming bitter and cruel. And so I think that the humble approach, generally speaking, towards the transformation of the world is to take stock of yourself and set your own iniquities right first. That's all. That doesn't mean you shouldn't act in the world. And sometimes you have to act in the world despite your, despite your imperfections, as you pointed out, often. But that doesn't mean they shouldn't be your primary concern. I think they should be your primary concern. You do sound like an evangelical Protestant. Ah. Again, just dismissing everything he said. He dismisses everything Jordan Peterson says in the entire interview with that closing statement. <laughs> well, you do sound like an evangelical Protestant. You do sound like a communist asshole. That's what you sound like. Anyway, another thing that he does a lot in this interview is called a non sequitur, right? So Jordan Peterson will answer a question. It'll answer it so satisfyingly, actually, that the guy won't be able to do a follow-up, you know, to contradict what Jordan Peterson said. So what he'll do instead is he'll say, okay, but, and then he'll say something completely unrelated. And Jordan Peterson won't call him on it. He'll just let it go, and he'll answer the next question. Because Jordan Peterson can answer almost every question. So he doesn't mind non sequiturs. But I do mind them. Because if you're going to change the subject, say, okay, you win on that point. It's very frustrating when people do this because there's no like conclusive points to any of the discussion. I, I wish Jordan Peterson would be a little bit more aggressive sometimes in his interviews. Just shut these guys down. You can do it. You have the you have the knowledge, the rhetorical tools. Just do it. Just take them down. Well, that's it for me. If you like this episode, hit the like button. If you want to see more episodes like this, please subscribe. And if you hate me, well, well, I'm heading to the mountains for a week, so you won't have to deal with me for a while. Actually, I have, I have quite a few videos I need to edit and upload, so, yeah. Sometimes I have a hard time in connecting what he's saying with what I have said or what my positions are. I sometimes think it's like the witch doctor that gets mad when a good doctor comes along with a cure that'll work. <laughs>